This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. This series, we've actually been taking uh, different components of the Christmas story and going through that. And the first week, we, we looked at Joseph. And, and I, I love, you, you know, Joseph is betrothed to Mary, and that means they're promised. They're, they're, they're kind of past the, the time of, of, of the agreement coming into fruition. And, and so they're waiting. Joseph's trying to get his life in order to Mary, and he finds out that she's pregnant. Now, I know that medical science has changed a lot in the last 2,000 years, but I'm pretty sure in the first century, medical science knew what caused pregnancy. I'm pretty sure about that, okay? And so Joseph is confused and, 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 and unsure, you know, all the things that would come in that kind of a moment. And then Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 says this, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. He woke up. He woke up, and, and I think that sometimes we go through a, a season of confusion, and when you're, you're living in confusion or in conflict, especially when you're living in conflict between what you know and what you feel, all right, and then and, and, or maybe you're living outside your calling. It's a lot like sleepwalking through life, and I love what Joseph did when he was in a season of confusion. Joseph woke up. And he looked up, and then he obeyed God. And a lot of times we think like, okay, I'm going to wake up if I just look inside and figure out who I am. And, and that's a bad way because looking inside invariably leads to looking around. I love C.S. Lewis said, nobody ever says they want to be fast. They just say, I want to be faster than them. All right, so, so when we look inside, the, the only way to really discover our true identity is to look up, to look into the heart of God and to see the way that the Creator has to find you. That's when we wake up and we look up and then we obey. And I can say this over you as your pastor. I want you to wake up this Christmas. I want you to wait. I do not want you to continue to sleepwalk through life. I want, there are areas, and, and don't think I'm saying that to somebody else. Okay, I'm not talking to, I'm talking to every one of you. There are areas in all of our lives that we need to wake up, and we need to look up, and we need to obey God. And last week, we looked at the shepherd. I love the shepherds. Maybe my favorite part, because there's a lot of people in the Christmas story that get a lot of, a lot of attention and a lot of honor, but, but the shepherds were just working class guys in their community. They, they were not, they had nothing in them that gained them any kind of prestige or nobility. They were probably fairly poor, not well off, and, and, and that's kind of what led to them being in that. And I love it. It's even like the second shift that God shows up, right? And, and we see in, in Luke chapter 2 the story of the shepherds, but it begins this way. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. What did they do? They just showed up to work. They showed up to work. And what happened when they showed up to work? They encountered heaven. 
and an angel came. And, and it says that you read the story and it says if heaven is so excited about what's going on with the birth of Jesus that it just spills out in there. And we learned last week that God shows up in the ordinary. God shows up when we're going through seasons of darkness and when we live out our calling. When we're the place that God said, I want you to be there, and we finally have the courage to just be there, God shows up when he's told us where to go. He's, and I believe I, this Christmas, I believe there's some divine appointments for you and God. I believe in his heart that God has already set times that he wants to meet with you and he wants to encounter you. I don't want you to miss God this Christmas. It might be in a quiet time when you're reading your Bible, and, and, and I love those moments, but, but it might be when you're just driving along the road and you, and you give God that time when you're in the car. It might be when you have a meal with your family. It, it might be when you're opening some presents. It's so, that God shows up in those moments. I don't want you to miss out on God. I want Christmas this season to be a, a profound season of your relationship with God. I want God to, to really meet with you. And, and it doesn't happen if we're not intentional and we're not seeking it. Today we're going to go to, it's actually a very interesting story from the Christmas narrative. And, and I'm hoping a little bit as we dive into this through throughout the Christmas season, I'm, I'm hoping that you see that some of these stories aren't quite what you thought they were. It's actually in Matthew 2, um, beginning in, 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 in the second part of that chapter. It's the story of, we call it the wise men or the magi. It's a little interesting. It's a little confusing, to be honest. The, the wise men aren't from around where Jesus is from. We, we know initially that they traveled a great distance to come and to see what was happening. And what we now know today, based on history and the study of the text and all the things that we have with that, we believe that the wise men, if you read it out of the, the NIV, it calls them the Magi, that these men were actually probably uh, nobility from, from the empire of Persia. That This trip w would have not been like we think like driving to Charlotte or something like that where it'd be just a few hours in a car there was literally probably a year of their life spent in this journey and the what the provocation for it was that they saw a new star right they saw a new star and based on our understanding now historically of of persian mythology again these are not believers of the bible these are these are people who are outside of that framework and understanding they believed when something happened in the sky the appearance of a new star was a sign that god was installing a new leader in a government and so when that's, the, the nobility had the responsibility of leaving to meet the new king. That's why they left. And here's what's so interesting, is we know that historically an astrological event happened that was so big, it's recorded worldwide, and it happened in early 4 AD. All right? We know that. And, and most scholars believe that Jesus was either born late three, early four. And so it's, it's recorded around the world. 
Like, not even from Western perspective. This is recorded in China. It was recorded in Korea. Like, it, they, something happened, and it was a major thing that happened in the sky. And these guys saw it, and they left because there's a new king. And so they travel what must have been almost a year, and then they end up in Bethlehem, or they end up actually in Jerusalem to meet King Herod. Now, I need to explain who King Herod is, because if you don't know, it won't make a lot of sense. King Herod was installed by the Roman government over Israel. I mean, he was, he was in charge. He was the king, but he was a puppet king in place there by the Roman Empire to make sure everybody obeyed. He had a lot of power. And on one hand, he was absolutely brilliant. There are port cities in Israel today that King Herod thousands of years ago designed. He was brilliant, especially as an architect. But here's the other, he was absolutely mad. He was crazy. And he was mad around the power that he held. He, he, there's a lot of stories, I've told some of those before with Herod, but, but he literally executed his own children, his own sons, because he was scared of them trying to take a claim on his throne. And at this moment in time, what we know from history is that he's dying of pancreatic cancer. It's a very slow, painful way to die. And he is absolutely crazy when the wise men show up to see him. And what do they say? Hey, we're here to see the new king. That went over real well. So he calls together. You know, I, I think I've heard something of like prophetically that there would one day be born a king of the Jews. Where's that supposed to happen? And the Bible scholar said, well, it's in Bethlehem. So he goes back to the wise men. And he says, listen, I've asked my, my Bible scholars. They say that there is supposed to be a king born to the Jews. Those are the people I'm kind of set over here. And it's going to happen one day close in a town called Bethlehem. Why don't you go see if you can find him? And if you find him, come back and tell me where he is. I want to go worship him too. Obviously, he didn't. Obviously. If you read the story, you, you know even more. He, he was mad. He wanted to protect his, his legacy. You can tell that his intention is he wants to murder and execute any threat to his power. I love what Andy Stanley said about King Herod. He said, the king who murdered to preserve his legacy is most commonly remembered now as a footnote in the story of a toddler born during his reign. You know, everything, please, please hear what I'm about to say. Everything you have, you've been given. Everything. Your kids, your relationships, your influence, everything you have, you've been given. And if you try to hold on to something and try to take it out of God's purposes, all you're going to do is steal your legacy away from that. That's what happened with Herod. God had put him in a position to do great things, but then he came concerned about his power and his legacy, and he tried this desperately to hold on to it. And what happened? He was robbed of that legacy. Don't do that. So I want to dive into the story of the Magi here in Matthew 2, beginning in verse 9. So after they had heard the king, that's Herod, 
they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, there's something good there. These are not God followers. They're not Yahweh followers. These are not people who know the God of the Bible. But something in this is, is telling us that, that God is at work. I, I want you to hear that God can use anything he wants to do. Anything he wants to, to use in this world, we might label it that it's not sacred. We might label it that it's secular. God can use anything that he wants to use for his purposes. I told you last week that God is so good that we can make all the wrong turns and he can still get us to the right place. That's how good God is. And God is in the middle of this using a group of guys that know nothing about what's going on, to tell us something not only about them, but about him. Look at this. On coming to the house, they saw the child was with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, now notice it says that come into the house. They're no longer in a manger here. They're, they're no longer in a manger. M many people believe, many scholars believe that, that Joseph, after Be he was born in, in Bethlehem, really kind of intended to stay there. And so they've moved into a house. Uh, most scholars believe that at this moment Jesus is, is older. He, he's maybe a little over a year old, maybe two by now. And so the Magi show up. And what did they do when they walked in the room? I want to tell you what, I've had two boys that went through that, that age and, and that time. I, I, I've, my, they're always covered in dirt, okay? I mean, they're just, uh, just that's what little kids look. But there was something different about Jesus. When they walked into that room, they bowed down in front of the boy and they worshipped him. There was something different about him. And I, I'm hoping today that in your heart and in your mind that God shows you that there's something different about Jesus. It's still different and it still matters. Now look at what happens next. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So God intersects their, their story. Don't go back to Herod. Go back to your country by another way. And actually, there's a lesson, and this is not really in the... But I was praying over this, and, and, and it, it maybe not connect today, but I believe it's for somebody here, that when you think about the gift of generosity, there's some of us that, that God has, has given you that gift. You, you want to give generously to others. You, you want to help them, even financially or by serving them. And I want you to listen. There's, there's a lesson in this, because when God gives that gift... Okay, the enemy wants to steal it. And so the enemy's got a plan for every good thing that God gives you. And we can see a principle that God is putting on display about generosity. Those gifts were expensive. They were expensive and they gave them and then they went home. When you give, trust God with the results. A lot of times we feel the tension to try to manage the gifts that we've given. If, if you don't do what, what I'm telling you to do, then, then I'm not going to give anymore. And if you don't, we, there, and there's a, there's a place for realizing that we don't just throw money at problems. But when God leads you to be generous, 
We just give, and then we trust it in God's hands. And that's exactly what happened there. They didn't stick around. They didn't try to manage it. They didn't say, we're going to give you these. These are valuable, but we only do this if you'll report into us. No, they just gave it, and then they left. And they were significant gifts. I want to spend some time today reflecting on those gifts and what they might mean to you this Christmas. The gifts of Christmas. The first gift that the Bible records that the Magi gave was gold. It was gold, right? We, we know gold is it's, it's precious. It's called a, a precious metal because it's rare. If you were walking outside, and we, we live in an area where, where there was gold found in this area, right? I mean, we, we can go to a gold mine and see. If you were walking along and you just found a small rock that was gold, it would be very, very valuable. I mean very, because it is that rare. It is so very rare. That's what makes it so valuable. It's, it's called precious because it's rare. And so I was thinking, what does God give us at Christmas that for most of us is pretty rare? And I want you to see this. This is a gift that at Christmas God gives us time together. At Christmas, God gives us time together. I mean, let's be honest. Things are, are nice, aren't they? I mean, I love giving some presents. I do. I mean, some of y'all, y'all ain't even got your Christmas presents yet. And, and I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. If you go to Walmart, they're sold out of whatever it is you're looking for. They are sold out of it. And if you try to go on Amazon, they will send it to you sometime in January. Okay? I went on this week and I was... I tried my, my ugly Christmas sweaters on, and apparently in the last year I got pretty swole. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> apparently. They, did, they no longer fit, and I was not going to wear them today. I would feel uncomfortable. So I ordered a new one, and by God's providence, it's supposed to be delivered today. <laughs> All right? Some of y'all are feeling that. It's fun, it's fun to give gifts, and I, th- I love it. But is there a more precious gift than time? Is, is there anything more precious than time? You, you know, you, you get those moments. Our, our, our lives in our culture just kind of is aligned to create moments through the season where we, we stop and we don't work and we get together and we, we actually look each other in the face and talk to each other and, and, it, and it, we get time together. And, and I wonder if you've ever experienced this. Where, where you're watching your, your kids and they're opening some presents on Christmas morning and you just see the joy on their face. Or maybe you're sitting down and you're having dinner with mom and dad and the thought crosses your mind, I wish this moment could last forever. I wish it could last forever. Some of us have been there. Some of us know that. And I want you to understand something from the bottom of my heart for you today. That is foolish. It's foolish. The Bible says in Psalm 90, teach us, God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach me, God. 
to number my, you want to know why it's foolish? Because it's not going to stop. Leave that up there. I want you to think, if you're a parent and you have small kids, there will come a day when your kids no longer reach up and ask you to hold them again. The days are numbered. I took my daughter out. We do a Christmas date every year. She's in here right now. I owe you $5 for this, okay? Sorry. We have a rule that if I share stories about them, I have to pay them, all right? And so every year we do a Christmas day, and, and, and when, when we do that, I let them pick where we're going to go, and she picks the most expensive restaurant we can go to. She is not a cheap date, y'all. I'm just saying, my boys are like, Highway 55. She's like, no, the melting pot, three hours, several hundred dollars later. We'll be okay, Dad. We'll be okay. Okay, dear God. But I realized There's going to come a time when she won't reach for my hand when we're walking in the store anymore. The days are numbered. You're going to get to be around people this Christmas. And when you look around the room with the, the vastness of what's represented in this room, there will be some of us that reach that point next year and there won't be people there because God took them home to be with them. The days are numbered. And when we realize that, when we understand that, instead of us wishing that it would stay this way forever, it actually leads to wisdom. When we realize that it's, num- it's not going to be this way every, every year. It's not going to stay the same. There's no amount of wishing that's going to keep it the same way. The days are numbered. It's wise to see that our time together is precious and limited. And at Christmas God gives us time together. Y'all know the gifts. The second gift, right, is frankincense. Y'all know all about frankincense because y'all, like half of the women in here are selling essentials anyway, okay? I know that. Y'all like rubbing it on your forehead when you're sick, infusing it in your kids' rooms, just wafting it around. I'm not going to talk about... That, but you know, frankincense is, is some of y'all are like, hey, listen, if you want any, I got some in my purse. I got the best. Whatever brand I'm selling is the best. I understand that, okay? Frankincense is commonly used in creating perfume. It, it's used in that, this is so interesting because it's actually a resin. It's produced when a tree is wounded, it bleeds. It bleeds, and when that resin is taken and it's processed, they get frankincense from it. They get frankincense from it. And, and it's, it, when, when I was thinking about that, I was like, God, what is something in our lives that holds us together and, and provides a fragrance in our lives, what's something that God gives us that, that what do you give that holds us together and, and it provides a fragrance? And I was listening this week, and, and my kids, y'all ever have a moment when your kids start doing something and it's good, but it just gets on your nerves? It's, it's good, it's not bad. They were just laughing so much. I, and and I, maybe I'm the only parent that's there. Just stop laughing. 
I don't even know what you're doing. I don't know what's funny. Stop. Just get on my nerves. You're laughing way too much. It was one of those mornings. They were just laughing, and it was just filling our house. And I was like, oh, man. And that holds us together, doesn't it? When times get hard, it just, it, it, it's like a fragrance spilling through our house. At Christmas, I want you to see this. God gives us the gift of laughter. The gift of laughter. Now, for some of y'all, they're like, that is so weird. I, I grew up in a charismatic church, and they get the Holy Ghost laughter. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? It's <laughs> not what I'm talking about. The gift of laughter. Did you know that God gives the gift of laughter? I, I love this. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Abraham is old, and he doesn't have any kids. And God says, Abraham, walk outside. Look at all the stars. One day... You're going to have that many sons. And, and in his day and age, having kids wasn't like, for us, we want to have kids for, for heritage and legacy. For them, they needed them, okay? They needed them to work and support. That was, their kids were their retirement fund, okay? That's who was going to take care of them when they got, so if you didn't have any kids, it was, it was a really difficult life. And so Abraham is like, okay, I, I, I mean, I'm old, God. And the Bible says that while they were still old, that's how old, the, the Bible just like, they old, okay? <laughs> they had a son, Abraham and, and Sarah, who had, I mean, well, the, listening to the ages is about well over 100 years old. They had a son, and they named him Isaac. Do you know what the name Isaac means? It means laughter. It means laughter. They're like, God, this, this blessing is so good, I can't help but laugh. I can't, God, I, everybody's going to look at what you did here and be like, that old lady, what? Had a baby? I can't believe it. It's hilarious. God, you're good, right? That's how, that's the kind of blessing that they were describing. And I love what laughter, laughter is the outward expression of an inward moment of joy. That's what it represents. Do you remember the shepherds when the angel shows up? I love that verse that comes out of that. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, right? Because that's our normal response when God starts to do things, right? We get afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. The word good news is gospel. That's why we, we call the, the story of Jesus the gospel according to Luke, the, the good news according to Luke, the good news according to Matthew, and it's still good news. Somebody needs to hear that. Doesn't matter where you are today, Jesus is still good news. But look, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The, the story of Jesus is the birth of great joy. It's the birth of great joy. This is the invitation of Christmas. That in the middle of brokenness and lostness and everything that's going on in our world, that I can choose to find joy in something that is bigger than me, that's stronger than me, that will outlast me. Joy is something that holds us together. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
the joy. And there's some of you, you've been going through seasons and it ain't been easy. And you feel like, I don't feel like I can laugh in this season. I don't feel like I can find joy. But I want you to know that God has given you joy. That's what, and I love this verse out of Psalm 30. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You might be in a difficult season, but it's just that it's a season. And God has promised you that on the other side of that, there is joy. There's joy. The third gift, the third gift was, was myrrh, was, was myrrh, which is fun to say. It sounds like you're kind of like, like a cat of some sort, you know, myrrh, right? It's a little weird, a little weird, like a cat with a speech impediment of some sort. Myrrh is a lot like frankincense. It's another resin that's produced from a tree. The tree is wounded, and then it begins to bleed. And out of the resin that's produced, they they produce myrrh from that. And, and, and And I just feel like maybe somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes we go through wounds in life, and we, we might even bleed a little bit. But sometimes we we need to go through that and God can produce something really good out of our woundedness. Myrrh and and frankincense were produced out of the wounds that are inflicted to a tree and out of that something beautiful comes. Now, myrrh is is a little different. It actually appears in the the Gospels. It, It appears. It appears in Mark chapter 15. Jesus is on the cross. He's being crucified. And notice what it says. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. In, in, in Matthew 27, we know that he was offered a cup. He actually took a little taste and said, no, I don't want that. Get away from me. It's not time. We see it again in, in John 19. John 19, Jesus is dead. He's passed away. And look what, what how, how it appears here. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph of Arimathea came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloe. Myrrh was used to make something. It was actually used to prepare bodies for burial. So this little boy in that house, when the Magi bowed down before him, they gave him gold and they gave him frankincense, but they gave him a burial ointment. The very beginning, from the very beginning, we see that that this is no ordinary boy. Intentionally, I believe God's showing us that at Christmas, God gives us His Son. God gives us His Son. What a, what a powerful thing to know. We know this in John 3, 16, right? That God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And most of the time when we give gifts, it's actually the exchange of a title, right? Right? 
So if I gave you a car, I would sign the title and then hand the title to you. But there's another kind of giving. For example, I might know that you need some help in your yard. And I say, I'm going to come mow your yard. And I'm going to spend the day blowing the leaves. I'm going to give you the gift. And the gift is that I'm going to sacrifice something that I own. I'm going to sacrifice a day. And I'm going to lay that on the altar of serving you. And when I get done, I won't have it anymore. This was not a gift where the title was exchanged. This is a gift where Jesus was born to sacrifice his life on your behalf. And when you receive that gift, that gift changes every other gift. Just think about it with me. Earlier I said one of the greatest gifts that God gives us at Christmas is time together. And some of y'all were like, yeah, but... It's not time with my mom or my dad or my friend or my spouse. They passed away. They're gone. And here's the thing. When we receive the gift of God's Son, it changes that. Because we recognize that if they receive the gift of Jesus Christ, and I've received the gift of Jesus Christ, our time is not limited to the time that we spend on this earth. There is time beyond this moment, beyond what I can see, that we will spend together in eternity. It changes that. And it changes the way that I mourn and grieve it because I know that in Jesus, our time together is not done. You might say today, listen, I I don't feel like in this season I can find joy. But here's the thing. When you receive Jesus, you get anchored into something that's bigger than you. Happiness is circumstantial. It's all about what's going on around me. Joy is anchored in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And when I know what he's done for me, I can have joy in every season. Maybe today for you, you come in today knowing that I've been doing life my own way. And I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm tired of carrying the weight of this. It's not what I, what I need it to be. I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible God for myself. And receiving the gift of God's Son is that confession of I can't do this alone. I need you, God. I need you to lead me through my brokenness and sadness and into your purposes in my life. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.